Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Drunk Divorce Divas. We have actually been taking a break, so we'll quickly fill you in on why we haven't put out an episode in a minute. Um, We kind of took some time for the summer to do some transitioning, some big things were going on, and now we're all settled in and we're back to recording. So, absolutely. Yeah, it, it has been a little while, but you've had so many exciting things going on and quite a busy summer. Well, so have you, Miss? Uh, I'm going to go spend weeks in Florida and weeks here and weeks there. And <laughs> that's true. That's true. I'm jealous of your laugh. <laughs> Yeah, I can't complain. The RV lifestyle is a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah. Not so fun at the pump when gas skyrocketed, but other than that, <laughs> it uh, it has been fun. But man, driving, as I'm sure you know, hauling a camper alone, you know, sucks gas like crazy. And then add to the fact that it was up over $5 a gallon when I moved last. And that was ugly. But oh yeah, yeah. I, I would have cried every time. I cried. I totally went from a BMW to you know downgraded to a little economy car, and I was like, oh, the gas is going to be so good in this car, and it only takes me you know thirty five forty dollars to fill it up, and the next thing I know, I'm like sixty eight dollars to fill it up, like almost a hundred bucks to fill up my little car that you could probably you know rev up, like pull back and let go, and it would go on its own. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Yeah. So, so yeah, that amount is what it used to take to fill up my truck. It used to be like in between 60 and $70. And then um, when I was on the way back from Florida, it hit triple digits for the first time. And I almost threw up right there in the gas station parking lot. Yeah. I could so not believe stupid. it. Yeah. 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 It was like $105 to, uh, to fill up my tank. And I don't even let it get all the way to empty because, you know, hauling the camper, I have to be careful because that last quarter goes fast. Yeah. So I wasn't even all the way at empty. I was probably at a quarter tank. And uh, yeah, that hurt. That hurt. Yeah. We were not going to make this a bitch session. Well, I mean, we have before, but... <laughs> Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes you have to have a good bitch session. But yeah, we can just all agree across the entire freaking country that gas prices suck and call it that. <laughs> yes. yes. And doesn't make me like a maniac and psycho. I get so, so angry at the pump. So angry. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard. But I did spend uh, May and June in Florida, which was lovely. And it a lot of people said I was crazy for going to Florida at that time of year. But I love Florida that time of year because I love to be in the water. And yeah, yeah and both the swimming pool at my RV park and the ocean were for me, perfect temperature. Like it was still cool enough to cool me off, but it wasn't so cold that Like I didn't want to get in, you know, like it hurts to get in. Yeah. I don't like that cold, cold. I'm sure when I was younger, it didn't bother me, but now it just like, I don't know. It sends chills up my body when I dip my foot in and it's freezing cold. I don't want to get into the water that is cold. I don't. So I'm you, I'm all about summer. Everyone's bitching about the, the weather here in Texas. And yes, it's 110 degrees. It's hot and humid. I get it. But 
when I go to get in into my pool, um, cause I, I moved to a new apartment and so I have a pool now. And when I go to get in the water is, it's not cold, but it cools me off and it feels great. And I don't shiver. I can just like jump right in as opposed to taking my time. And because yes. I, I hate cold water. I'm the type of person that I will swim in lukewarm water all day, every day. Absolutely. I do not have a swimming pool at this campground at this RV park. So I'm a little bummed, but there's a lot of public pools. So as long as I can still get a break from this 110 degree weather, then I'm good. Yes. Yes. And you can always come to visit me and I can always, you know, come to visit you. And yeah, we, we finally are close enough that, you know, we can spend more time together. Absolutely. So fill us in on why we're so close now. Um, because I moved to San Antonio. Hey. Yeah. And the reason why is because after, and if you listen to, to previous episodes, I think I mentioned it, but, um, my husband left for the military and I have been nine months alone. And that is a whole other episode of yeah. why some people are good at that. And some people are not, I am not. It was the worst nine months that I've experienced in a long time. I'm a terrible person when it comes to living alone and being alone in my own thoughts and in general. I I don't like it. It's not for me. I respect and love people that can do it. I am not one that can. So I am now down here and am able to, I'm in military city. So I am able to see my husband on a regular basis. Um, and I'm super, super excited about it. I don't know That's how long awesome. we'll be here, but we'll see. That is awesome. Well, I'm glad that uh, that you guys are close to each other now because I know that was super hard to be apart for both of you, obviously. It was. It was. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I just, I'm not one to wake up every day and be alone. I wish I was because it would have made it a lot, lot easier. But I'm just, yeah. I'm so since we are recording in kind of, uh, you know, the earlier part of the day, which we usually record at night, we are probably, I know I'm, I've switched it up a bit. I am actually drinking Bailey's and coffee because I haven't had my coffee for the day. So I thought, hey, I'll throw a splash of Bailey's in my coffee and drink that while we're recording. So that is my drink of choice for today. Shout out to Bailey's. Always always good always good that's so funny that we were both thinking along the thoughts of being socially acceptable because you know who's gonna crack open a, <laughs> a cider at noon could you well, absolutely have I mean, absolutely <laughs> day drinking has rules though so i kind of merged our rules with our favorite and austin east ciders just came out with a mango mimosa flavor. So I guess I technically am drinking a cider at noon, but it has a mimosa in the title. So therefore I am still socially acceptable. Okay, I might have to try that sometime because I love my Austin East Ciders. So yes, check it out. So today's episode is about trust. We know we've mentioned it in the past, but we're gonna go a little more in depth regarding our own journeys and kind of where we've come from and where we are now, what we're still learning, because that that's something that we always want to convey is that we are still on a um, journey ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's never ending. Once you 
realize how much there is to learn and how much there is to heal from. And that even when you heal the trauma that you think you're healing from, you still encounter the next issue and the next issue. You know, it's just, it's it's never ending how much you can improve yourself. Kind of like we talked about in the, um, in the episode about leveling up. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this is a great, I guess, next episode after we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like trust is a, a huge, huge, huge issue for so many people. And especially after you've been through a divorce, because obviously you can't have a divorce situation without some sort of trust being messed with in some way. Right. Why don't we start with you telling us about your um, individual experience? Like start from my the trust beginning. journey. <laughs> start, with your, start with your background. Okay. Okay. So as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I was very fortunate and I, I know this to have an amazing family growing up. My mom and dad loved each other. Both their parents were together and loved each other. I just grew up kind of like, you know, Snow White in the woods, feeding the animals and, and skipping down the path and just assuming everything was beautiful when it came to relationships. And so I cannot remember having any trust issues until um, college. And then, you know, relationships when you're 19, 20 years old, I think they just come with, with sets of trust issues. But I had imperfect relationships. But I, I don't think my actual, like, deep-seated trust issues started until I got married. And at first, I definitely went into my marriage just like I said, assuming everything just worked out. Once you decide to get married, you love each other. It just happens. You trust each other. You're loyal to each other. You're faithful to each other. And I, I think having those blinders on really blew me out of the water once my trust was fucked with. Yeah. And I was cheated on within the first two years of my marriage. And that just blew me out of the water. I I didn't know what to do with that. I had never encountered that. If that happened anywhere else in my family, it was never talked about. So I just, you know, assumed it was my fault. I didn't trust my now ex-husband after that. And that that was like the beginning of not trusting him. And then to be honest, I don't feel like I ever fully trusted him again after that. So two years into my marriage, so I went another 20 years in a marriage where I didn't trust the person I was with. And when you have that kind of emotional instability for, you know, 20 years, that just messes with so many parts of who you are. And existing in a relationship for, for 20 years where I knew my emotions weren't safe, really rocked me to my core. Like I didn't trust him as far as other women. I didn't trust him emotionally because anytime I was vulnerable with him emotionally, it would come back to bite me in the ass. If I shared something with him and, and I eventually learned not to, but earlier in the marriage, if I shared something with him, it was 99% of the time brought back to me as, you know, fuel for for our next argument and then I would get made fun of or he would bring it up to hurt me and so I definitely learned very quickly not to trust him at all and so living with no trust 
for that amount of time messed me up in ways that I didn't really realize until after my divorce. And I, I would say probably a couple years after, because I think I just was unpacking everything that had just happened yeah. to me for the first few years after divorce. And then I started realizing, oh, wow. So one of the issues I have here is, is I have major trust issues and I understand why, like, I don't beat myself up about it, but it's taken a lot of work and a lot of healing um, for me to get past that for sure. Uh, I am a firm believer that trust issues, and there's a lot of, a lot of things that can occur to cause trust issues, but I think trust issues are one of the hardest things to overcome or to learn how to manage. In my experience, I come from a completely different background, and we've we've discussed this before, where uh -huh. my trust issues began probably at as far back as I can remember would be six, seven, eight years old, kind of that that time period where I started to understand what a lack of trust meant. And and I was introduced to it very, very early on. Um, so unfortunately, I grew up with trust issues. Like that was actually oh, yeah. ingrained in me and part of my childhood. So I went into every relationship um, with trust issues. And I did very poorly with it in the beginning. I hurt good people. I probably didn't help um, already tumultuous relationships because of it. It actually, in some ways, made me the 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 problem um, on different occasions. So uh -huh. it it was something that was so ingrained in me that I had to. I'm thankful that I you know, and we'll discuss later what I've learned. But had had I known those things or at least got the help. Uh, I'm a firm believer in therapy. Had mm -hmm. I been pushed to get help, I think it would have helped a lot in my relationships over the years, especially in my um, my 20 year relationship my with my ex-husband, the you know, the father of my kids. That mm -hmm. was, I, I think I could have played a bigger role in helping to heal that relationship or to not be as big of a problem as I was because of the fact that I had come from, you know, trust issues in the, in the background. I just, yeah. wasn't, I just wasn't a healthy person overall. And because of the childhood that I had, and it's very easy to say, Oh, well, you know, we all go through bad things. You can't use that as an excuse. But when, when you rob someone of their childhood, and this is very important. I want listeners who have this kind of experience to, to, to really hear this. When you rob someone of their childhood and you create grown-up types of issues like trust issues and body issues and, you know, all those really big adult things, uh -huh. when you put that into a child, you change that child. You, oh that, my gosh, absolutely for sure. Yeah, that that child then grows up on a completely different path than what it should have. And that was where that's kind of where my journey is coming from. I completely grew up on a different path than I probably ever would have had I had a different childhood and different, you know, background. So Well, yeah, yeah, if you grow up in survival mode, you don't even have like a a moral compass to understand 
what normal is. Not that you don't have a moral compass at all, but as far as gauging what is healthy and what is normal and what right. trust actually means when you, when you have never experienced it to begin with, then yeah, I mean, that'll fuck you up big time. Oh, 100%. I, I fully, it took me a long time to admit that I was, I myself was a little bit fucked up, but it's true. It's true. We all a little bit fucked up, baby. <laughs> but due to that, due to those childhood experiences, and I've, you know, gotten depth with, with some of them, but due to those really bad traumatic experiences, I grew up a little bit fucked up. And so I, I might've even caused trust issues in someone else. Um, I had my own, but I, I can admit that fully with, you know, I'm being responsible here. I can admit that I probably caused trust issues in other people. Wow. I feel like it takes a very healed and introspective person to be able to realize that. If that has come on, like not recently, like, Oh, last week, but over (laughs) through this whole learning and healing process that I've had, you know, I've had to look in the mirror at myself and say, you know what? I bitch moan and complain about all the people that hurt me, but I've done my, my fair share of hurt. And I'm not saying that it didn't come from, you know, being hurt in the past and being changed yeah. and all that. It, I don't, I definitely didn't do it on purpose, but I, I wish again that I had, I had come from a family that was more into therapy, that was more into um, mental health um, mm-hmm. resources, you know, those type of things, because I come from a hush hush family where whether it's abuse, whether it's rape, whether it's cheating, whether it's no matter mental health, no matter what, you don't discuss it. Like you deal with it and then you just move on. Well, there's a step in between there. There's a step of healing, learning, you know, talking, getting therapy. And in, in my family, we just, we missed that middle step that we just moved on. And then unfortunately we took all those cracks and damages and that we got, uh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of heard, and we, we moved on with those things and with no knowledge whatsoever on how to deal with them. Well, yeah, I, I think you just perfectly explained generational trauma. It's that's exactly how it gets passed on from generation to generation until somebody finally gets to a point of healing where they're like, wait a damn minute this yeah. is not how this is supposed to be i am not passing this on to my children and you know it's not that our parents step parents older generations meant to pass that on to us but they didn't know any different and they just learned from their parents who didn't know any different so eventually you know as we evolve as a society as more information is available to us as people are talking more about this then you start getting to the point where you're like okay wait a minute i can do better for for myself and for the future generations of my family and i think that's exactly how you identify and break those curses you know Right. Exactly. I fully agree with that. And there has to be someone that recognizes it and says, Oh shit, I've got to fix this. And right. a lot of times that trigger to do that comes from as a, hopefully, hopefully it does. But for me, it did. It came from being a parent where, okay, I have to stop this. I cannot yeah. pass these things onto my children. So that was, that was the thing that sent me into my healing journey and kind of look into myself and fix my own problems so that I can then raise as healthy kids as I possibly can 
Mm-hmm. So this, you know, that trauma and that generational curse doesn't continue on with my children. Well, you kicked ass with that because you got some healthy ass kids right now. Well, thank you. I appreciate You're very it. welcome. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. It's absolutely the truth. I mean, if you look at how you were brought up and I've heard, you know, not all of the stories, but a whole lot of them and compare that to the life that your children led growing up. I mean, you flipped that 180. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that that I no matter what God you believe in, whether you don't you believe in a spirit, whether you believe in just a higher power, whatever. I personally believe in God. And I think that is something that I think God most for is, or one of the things that I think him most for is that I have the ability that whenever I want to change something, I'm stubborn and I will change it. Like I can recognize things that need to be changed. It might be a long, hard journey. I may hit rock bottom, but I definitely, once I put my, you know, eyesight's on that. Or once I realize that that needs to be changed, that becomes a target. And I do, I am able to work on it. That's great. I was going to say it sucks. I'm not going to lie it because having that type of insight is sometimes, Oh, it can be soul crushing because that's when you realize that, okay, someone might've caused that problem in you, but you might be a problem too. So Yeah. Yeah. And not only might you be part of it and I'm saying you in general, I'm not saying you specifically, but you know, not only might, might you be a part of it, but you might also be passing it down to your children. And I think for me, that was what stopped me in my tracks when I was like, holy shit, I'm, I've been in survival mode for so long and just trying to, you know, make it day by day that I didn't, take a big enough step back to realize how much of this is affecting my children. Not that I didn't know at all, but I don't think I really knew how much until towards the end of my marriage when I I started building up uh, enough strength to leave. I felt like I hid it from them and kept it behind closed doors for so long that it wouldn't affect them. But then as they got older and I started realizing how it was affecting them, I was like, okay, this is on me. Either I stop this or I am responsible for what is happening to me and to them right now. And I'm the adult in this situation, even though my girls were, you know, teenagers still, I was still the adult and it was still my responsibility. And to realize that I had part of that damage. Yeah was hard for me you know it's hard to know that you could be fucking up your kids but extremely yeah that that as a especially knowing how you and i parent and how much pride and not not the bad pride but the good pride like how much pride we we have for how we parented it was very very hard to look back and think oh shit yeah like I, I might have not been the parent I thought I was. I mean, I would say 80%. Yes, but there's still right. that 20%. And I don't care if it's 20% or 5%. If you fuck up, it can, it can fuck up your kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. And as parents, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt your kids 0.5%, let alone, right. you know, 20%. You, you want to give them. And of course, we all know life isn't unicorns and rainbows and there's going to be issues, but 
when you realize what you're doing to add to them, then I think that's when you have to make that choice. Like, okay, I have a huge part in doing this. You know, I am responsible in this way, even though for my case, I wasn't the one, you know, being abusive. I was in survival mode. I, I couldn't see, you know, the forest for the trees, but uh, when I did finally realize what role I had in allowing this to happen, I I had to take action. Yeah. So we both have started over. We we both have, you know, gone through divorce after long marriages. And what I want to know is how has how has the realization or how has that those trust issues, the harm that's that and the damage that's come from those marriages how has that played a role in new relationships or um, even, I guess, starting new relationships or even finding new relationships? I think it took me, like I said earlier, the first two years of uh, post-divorce time to learn to trust myself again. And that was the biggest thing for me. Like, how can you ever put any trust in anyone else? when you don't even trust yourself and your own thoughts and your own judgment. And so for me, realizing how much I let myself down by not trusting my instinct, by not trusting in my ability to handle what was happening to me, that that's really what I think hit me the hardest was like, man, you just went through two decades of being beat down to the point where you don't even trust your own thoughts. And so I really had to learn how to trust myself again. And thank God for therapy because I, you know, talking, talking over those issues with someone who is a professional and who had no idea of my history or where I came from or where I wanted to be, just dealing with me in the present moment really helped me realize that I, first of all, had every reason to have trust issues and that it was okay. And second of all, that there was a way to trust myself again so that I could put myself out there and trust other people again. So I I think the first two years was just a whole lot of me learning to trust in my own thoughts and in my own judgment. And so in that two years, we're probably a couple really ridiculous relationships that I should not have been in. But, uh, but then once I did get into what I would consider was my first post-divorce healthy relationship, I feel like I went into it trusting him, maybe not completely, but a lot more than I had been able to trust during my marriage. So working on my own trust issues helped me then learn to trust him. And as you know, I mean, you went through a lot of it with me. Um, I I did have times when old shit would creep back into my head and then I'd come to you and, and be like, this is, this is what I'm thinking. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're like, time out, time out. Are you bringing old trust issues from your ex-husband into your current relationship? And, um, and, and that really helped me realize like how to compartmentalize where my trust issues belong and where they don't belong because I can't punish my present 
for what happened to me in my past. I have to be able to move forward if I'm going to start over in a healthy way. Otherwise, it's just going to be cyclical and I'm going to get into relationships, have trust issues, and, you know, it's just going to go like that for the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. I think that is one of the biggest moments is whenever you realize that you cannot bring past issues into your present, even though those things are ingrained in you. But right. once, honestly, it's kind of, that's kind of like a unlocking a level. Like once you realize that and once, you, and I don't mean just know about it. Once you realize it and actually physically or, or whatever, emotionally put it into play, you've unlocked a higher level. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you will stop sabotaging your present with all that shit from your past. That doesn't yep. mean the past didn't happen to you, but that means that you can actually go into relationships with a fresh start. You don't have to bring that baggage with you. And I'm sorry, honey, but you get fucking tired carrying that baggage around. Like you, you, you with have that baggage and yep. drop it and, and, this is coming from someone that some pretty bad shit happened to, to me. Some pretty bad shit. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to carry that bad shit around with you. I don't have to go the rest of my life saying, I grew up in an abusive home. I was raped. I was this. I don't have to. That's not my identity. And right. once you figure that out, that it is not your identity and I don't have to carry it, I can still be on guard. I can still protect myself. I'm not going to lay in a, in the middle of the fucking road, mm -hmm. but I don't have to go into every relationship already carrying that around with me like that person did it to me. Absolutely. And I, I think that happened for me probably about two years ago. My, um, my youngest daughter and I were having a pretty heavy discussion and she said, mom, you are existing in victim mode right now and you can't keep existing like that. And I got super defensive because I was like, but, but I've been through all this shit. Do you know what I just went through for the last 22 years? I didn't say that to her, but that's what was going through my head, you know, yeah. like, but, 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 but I'm damaged, but I can't trust, but I was just abused. But, but, and then I sat with that for, for a really long time. And I was like, damn, she is absolutely right. I am existing in victim mode and I can't go forward like that because then I'm never going to heal. I'm never going to be happy and I'm never going to be able to fully trust myself or anyone in the future. So I had to get out of that. I had to not be the woman who was abused for 22 years. Is that still part of me? Well, absolutely. Like, it, it, and it still creeps in sometimes when I least expect it. And I'm like, oh shit. But I've done the healing now where I can recognize it. And if I have one of those thoughts creep in, I, and you know I do this because I've done it in front of you, but that Disney movie, Luca, I absolutely shut it down with that expression, silencio, Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Like, I, I feel it creep into my head and I can recognize it as not my baggage, not my thought. Like, oh, okay, that thought belongs to my my old self, my unhealed self, and I'm not going to let that thought continue in my head. I'm stopping it right now. 
I am a different person. I am healed. I am going to be trustworthy. And it, it's, it's a conversation I have with myself pretty frequently because yeah. you, you have to be able to do that shadow work and recognize why you have the trust issues and stop them before they come out of your mouth because otherwise they continue to live in your present and then you can't heal. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I like that should be a tagline. Like you cannot heal unless you recognize that your past is creeping in and you have to shut that shit down. Yes. You yeah, can't and, heal if you're constant, like you said, you cannot heal if you're constantly playing the victim. There is a difference between a victim and a survivor. I am a survivor of the bad things that happened to me. I am not a victim of the bad things. I was a victim for a for a moment after it happened. Yeah. In that moment, yes, I was a victim. Now I'm a survivor of it. It's no longer happening to me. So I'm not going to beat myself up with all of that emotion. And I'm damn sure not going to beat someone else that didn't do up uh, that didn't do it to me. Right, right, exactly. And and that's where it gets dangerous is if you don't heal it within yourself, then you bring it on to the next person, relationship, friendship, whatever it is, and it will damage that relationship. And ultimately, that's what ended my last relationship, you know, trust issues from his old relationship that he hadn't healed. And I'm not going to pay the price for that. As bitchy as that sounds, if I do my healing and I'm not bringing my past to you, then don't bring your past to me. Will I sit with it with you and help you heal? Absolutely. But will I be put in that place and not trusted because you didn't heal? Nope. I didn't do that to you. Like you, if you're willing to put the work in with them, but there's no work being done by that other person, then that is a point where you have to say, okay, that they're not where I'm at. And if we're on right. different levels of healing and the one that's behind isn't willing to catch up then, or even making any movement forward, then you do have to, you do have to make that call. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then you can slide backwards in your own healing. If you, you know, get back into that sort of untrustworthy area. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because even though we're in a relationship, we're still individual people and the old adage or whatever, you know, it's 50, 50. No, it's a hundred, a hundred. Absolutely. A hundred, a hundred. doesn't even make sense. I don't know where the hell that came from. Whoever came up with that originally it, it was stupid. And I will say it was stupid because it doesn't make sense. You, it is a hundred, hundred. I put in a hundred percent, you put in a hundred percent. And that's what makes a damn good relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have to be on the same page about giving your all. And that includes trust. That includes the healing. That includes everything. But everybody involved, well, not everybody. Okay, everybody, if you're in a multi-person relationship, that exists. So no judgment. But both of you have to be on the same page about being out there. And I, I should say putting yourself out there and healing and and being transparent about it because yeah. healing is a journey and I, I feel like if you can do that together it's really special but in order to do that you like you said have to give a hundred percent and they have to give a hundred percent and you have to be incredibly vulnerable which full circle requires a hell of a lot of trust right 
Exactly. Yeah, that that was I think that was one of my biggest realizations is that not only was I bringing my trust issues into new relationships or well, my new relationship, but I was also inadvertently causing those trust issues in my kids because they mm. they were learn it was a kind of a learned behavior from me because like like you had mentioned and like I had said I raised my kids in an entirely different environment where you know they should have been like it should have been like your childhood type of thing but because I carried or I lived in that relationship often I won't say constantly but quite often I would bring in those trust issues into a relationship that I didn't necessarily need to until the very end but uh -huh. because of that I was teaching my kids to have those issues when they didn't need to. And so yeah. that, that was a that was a big thing for me to have to learn as a mom is that me playing victim all that time was teaching my kids to play victim and they had no reason to. And right. But thankfully it also taught them to recognize whenever I'm playing victim. And so my my kids will call me out on it. They will and I'm at first like you said, you get super defensive and you're like, listen you little shit, you haven't been through what I've been through and because of me and then I thought no wait time out that's not fair either because right. I purposely protected them from all of those things that stole my my childhood yeah. so why am I why am I continuing to you know to play victim in front of them like yeah they they've seen me in a in a whole different environment so um yeah I had to I definitely had to learn how to leave the victimhood behind and play the role of survivor. Like here are yeah. the lessons I learned from all of those bad things that happened to me, but they're lessons. They're but I lessons. don't exist in them anymore. Exactly. And it's yeah. not, it's not a hundred percent of my identity. There's a little bit of it. Yeah. Cause you carry that shit with you for the rest of your life, but will I let it hold me back? Will I let it affect my relationships? Will I let it affect my relationships with my kids and who they are and their identities? Um, I had to learn to say, no, I will not. Right. Yeah. And, and I think a similar thing happened to me, even though it was for a completely different reason, but I adapted to hiding things from my girls for so long because I didn't want them to be affected by the abuse that I told white lies very frequently, you know, like, like when my ex-husband was ignoring me for days when they were older they figured out he was just angry at me but when they were younger you know they they'd be like you know what's wrong with dad and i would make up excuses he's not feeling good he's sick he had a bad day at work i would cover for him and um you know i just i hid so much throughout their younger years that as they got older and started to realize what was actually going on, they didn't trust me. Like I broke their trust because I, it was from a place of good intention, but ultimately I was lying to them. And yeah. I, I brought that past the divorce. Like I, I still covered for him just out of, I guess, habit, you can call it. You know, I, I was basically trained into it and I covered for him for a few months after we moved out and 
it definitely caused some issues, not only covered for him, but I continued to tell white lies, trying to protect their feeling, my daughter's feelings, but ultimately just causing more trust issues because they were older. They were like, this is bullshit, mom. You're, <laughs> that's not true. And so I had to learn how to be honest with myself and, and heal that so that I didn't do that to them anymore because I was causing trust issues in them. Right. Exactly. Okay. So let me ask you this. Okay. Knowing everything that you've learned, uh -huh. what would you say, like, what could we list as definite things that people, you know, need to look into or practice or research moving forward? Like what are some tools that we can offer or some direction towards tools that we can offer for those, you know, with similar situations with trust issues moving forward. Uh -huh. So I, I think, and this is probably thematic through so many things that we say, but I think number one is you have to put in the time to heal. Mm -hmm. I would, if there's one thing I would do differently, and I've said this in past podcasts also, I would not have dated right away after I filed, well, it wasn't right away, but I would have, I wouldn't have dated those first few years after I filed for divorce because I was in no way, shape or form mentally capable of dating in a healthy way. And I, I think that if you don't do that healing, you just throw yourself right back into the same cycle that you just came out of because you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know how to trust. You don't know those red flags. So I would say healing therapy, um, reading, talking with people who you consider to, to have healthy relationships. It definitely takes some time to heal yourself for sure. I agree. Yeah. I can agree with that. Um, I, I, I'm glad that the whole stigma behind therapy is, is going away. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, we we're definitely a society that embraces therapy now. And, and I know and recognize that family to family, that might be different. But just like I was the person that changed things in my family, you can be the person that changed things in your family as well. You, oh, absolutely. It, it is a personal choice to carry those generational curses and, and poor, poor traditions with you. So yes. um, even if your family isn't a therapy type family, you you be different. Recognize that. Yeah that you can change that. So I agree with the therapy. I agree with the self-reflection. Um, a lot of times I think this is not negating what you said. This is just kind of offering a different perspective. Instead of talking for me, I, I would have gotten nothing out of talking to, to people in a healthy relationship if they didn't have the same background that I had. So gotcha. to me, I would have preferred to talk to someone who had already put in the work, had already done the healing, had a similar background and had tools to offer me, had direction to give me. So it was For more sure. relatable, but that that's me. And I get that everyone heals and kind of morphs and levels up in a different way, but that's kind of what I needed. For those that are like me, I had to speak to people either on the same journey and might've been just a little bit ahead of me or someone that had already completed the journey and um, had already put in the work and then just shared their tools with me, the, the things that they learned. I definitely 
think, and this was a, this was a big one for both of you and I, but admittance and acceptance. So admitting where the problem might lie in yourself and accepting that you need to do the work and to fix those problems and then taking action. So admittance, acceptance, and action. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I feel like that is kind of the healing journey broken down. You know, you have to be able to step outside of your thoughts and outside of your journey and kind of look at it from afar and realize, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. What parts of me do I have to heal? Do I have to go down that, you know, rabbit hole and and deal with? Because only through healing like that can you get to that point, right. in my opinion. Oh, completely. I, I yeah. fully agree with that. I definitely know that whenever I was going through this whole healing process, it was, my pride got in the way a lot. My pride and my inability to be vulnerable. Because to me, vulnerability meant a dangerous situation. Right, right. My, my previous life. So I had to separate that. And I had to realize that it was okay to be vulnerable in a safe space. Because yes. when you're vulnerable and you break those, those barriers down and those walls down in a safe space, that is another catalyst for healing. That's oh, yeah. yeah. Of healing. And it, it's very hard to get to that point, but I feel like it's imperative because if you don't do that, if you can't get yourself to the point where you're going to be vulnerable, then you're absolutely impeding your ability to heal. You have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there. And ultimately you have to take that leap of faith to trust yourself enough to trust someone else. Mm -hmm. And if you, and it goes, you know, all the way back to healing. If you don't heal to the point that you can trust yourself, then you're never going to trust somebody else because it, it, your mind is just living in that state of victim. You know, being on, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you'll continue to bring that old stuff into the new stuff. And I don't know how many people we've both talked to that will say that, you know, when, when we're talking about, oh, well, well, what about this? Could you do this differently? And, and, so many times we hear, well, that's because during my marriage, I blah, 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 or that's because, well, yeah, we all have our becauses, but at some point you have to put down the old stuff and say, you know what, I'm not dealing with that. It's in there. It's in my head, but I have to try something different. You have to, it's like that saying that I see all the time, like to get a different result, you have to do what you've never done. Right. And, and you have to, you just, you have to decide I'm not going to accept this as my normal. I'm not going to be okay with living in victimhood. I am going to put myself out there. And it's a hard process because we're all afraid of getting hurt again. Of course we are. Yeah. But the only way ultimately that you learn to trust yourself and to trust someone else is by doing it. There is no you know, crystal ball that you can look in and see, is, is this person going to hurt me? Or is this situation going to lead to something that breaks my trust? You, you don't know. So ultimately, you just have to decide that you've healed enough to trust yourself. Like, yeah. 
speaking for my myself, I had, as you know, because you helped me through so many of them, I had no ability to notice red flags. I made excuses for them. I was like, oh, well, that's probably because blah, blah, blah. I just, I did not see them. And so, of course, there were trust issues because I didn't see the red flags coming and boom, there they were. But now that I've come pretty far with that, I can see red flags coming miles away. And then I know, okay, I'm not even going to attempt to put my trust into this person because I smell danger. But because I've done that healing, I can look at somebody else and say, you know what? I I don't see any red flags yet. I see some green flags. I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to trust in myself and in you and see where it goes. And that's scary as hell. It is scary. But if worst case scenario, you always have to think about the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, that person does break your trust. That's just one person. That doesn't mean that the next person is going to do that. And that's where I had to train myself is I had to stop believing that every single person that comes into my life is going to hurt me and or leave me. I had to stop thinking that because then I was not going to allow myself to find love again. If if I lived with that restriction and and that expectation for the rest of my life, I'm going to do the one thing that's going to harm me the most. And that's force myself to live alone. And as we started this episode talking about, I am not good with that. And so I had to recognize that heartbreak is is sometimes inevitable heartbreak is going to happen no one lives forever no one you know fairy tales are bullshit listen to that no one's going to fucking ride up on a white seed and you know be your knight in shining armor and kiss you and true love's first kiss and everything's going to be peachy for the rest of your life it doesn't fucking work that way and once i realized and got out of that whole fairy tale bullshit headspace and stop being a fucking victim, then I could move forward and I could say, okay, I love this person. I'm going to wholeheartedly dive in because I don't see any red flags. They've passed, you know, this check, this check, this check, this check. I, this is the person that I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not ignoring anything. I've given them a thorough once over. I'm going to dive into a relationship with this person and love them and allow them to love me the way I deserve to be loved. And if they fuck it up, that's on them. Yes. If yes. They fuck that, it up, yeah. I've done the work. I've healed myself. I've vetted them as much as I possibly could. If they fuck it up, that's on them. And that doesn't mean that every single next person that I meet needs to carry the weight that this person has put on me. Exactly. Exactly. Because when you're healed and when you're healthy in your own state of mind, then you can look at it like that. It's not like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Another person betrayed my trust because you're not in victim mode anymore. It's just like, okay, this person fucked up, lost my trust. And guess what? They don't deserve me anymore because because you, you have to realize that you have things to bring to the table. You are a good person. And if somebody isn't deserving of that, then that's on them. They have healing to do. They have issues to handle, but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. Right. 
and, and you have to live in that space in order to trust again. And it's, it can be scary, but it also can be worth it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Immensely worth it. Like it, that's what love is. Love, let's be honest. No relationship is perfect. And you're going to have moments where it feels like, you know, it, it where it sucks, but that's to me, that's where you get those long marriages. Whenever oh, you, yeah. you recognize that there are moments that you may not like each other. You still love each other, but you may not like each other, but life without that person is far more daunting than life with that person. And you're both still willing to work on the problems. I don't care if you're 98 years old. I love those couples who are examples of we grew old together. We fucked up a lot. We still have things we got to work on. I still need to listen when he or she speaks and is truly trying to tell me how they feel like those those are the people that make it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're constantly leveling up within the relationship. Yes. Yeah. And that's ultimately like once you I feel like trust is is that big hump. But once you can learn to trust someone and you guys, like you said, you kind of vet each other and you feel it out and you're like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can trust each other. Once you get over that hump, then I feel like the possibilities are endless because then you get into that growth stage where it's like, okay, damn, we're going to do this. Let's do this. Let's help each other grow. Let's make each other realize the best version of ourselves that we can be. And then it's just like, you push each other into new levels and new levels and new levels and it, and discover how beautiful it can be to, like we talked about in episode 22, level up together. Yeah, exactly. And that I think that episode 22 and episode 23 really go together. Yeah, I would agree. Perfect. And, uh, and if anyone would have told me four years ago when I got out of my marriage that I would be able to, trust myself or someone else again, I would have said, you're fucking crazy. I'll never ever. But now I absolutely trust myself. I trust in my ability to see red flags and I trust my own thoughts and my own intuition. And I feel like that has helped me a ton because I don't want to be jaded. I don't want to go around feeling like I can't trust anyone and I'm mad at the world and I, I don't want to do that. I lived in that space for a while, but I don't want to live my entire life like that. And so to be able to get past that, I have to be able to put myself out there. And I, I feel like once you can trust yourself, you can do that more easily. Yeah, fully agree. Well, this has been a good episode. It, it has been a good episode. I'm, I'm glad that we took a deep dive into trust because I feel like it's a huge issue with so many people for so many reasons right now. Yes. Yes, it is. And if I think trust is one of those things that if not the main thing that can stay with you the longest after trauma. Right. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. It, it just trust issues. They get ingrained in you and they forever change you. I won't say forever. I'm going to retract that statement and I'm just going to say that they stay ingrained in you, but you, you have the ability to reconcile them. You have yes. the ability. No, whether or not you make that choice, that's on you, but you do yes. have the ability to reconcile trust issues and lift that weight off of you moving forward. They do not have to be your whole identity moving forward. 
No, not at all. And it takes some damn hard work and the desire to want better for yourself and for your life, but it is most definitely something you can rectify. Yes, I agree. agree. Yay. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us for episode 23. And we hope that you take something from this episode that's going to, whether it be a tool, advice, direction, something. And just like Cheryl and I are doing, you start to truly look inside yourself and work on yourself so that moving forward, you can finally be that free light person that you were always meant to be and not be held down by all of that past. Absolutely. Believe in yourself because if Vina and I can do it, you can most definitely do it also. Oh, yes. Yes. All right. We were hot fucking messes, people. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even say speak for yourself. You're 100% correct. (laughs) Trust me. Both of us were. Both of us were. So if we can do it, you guys got this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your week. Have a great week, guys. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.